Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It is truly an honor and a pleasure to be here with you uh, tonight on this evening's broadcast. The chat room is open. We are live. And it is good, of course, to see Paul Rowe in the uh, chat room and Deb, of course, and AOD, Assassin of Darkness. Uh, It's good to see you all here. As I struggle to keep things afloat in this troublesome time that we're in. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Matthew Miller, and uh, I have been working out of town, so I get to come home on the weekends. Uh, This weekend was a little bit different uh, because I also had to work Saturday, so I get uh, – my days get switched around, so I have Monday off. So it's it's been quite a struggle here uh, of late, having to work so far away from home, uh, upwards of 160 miles away from home. But uh, we are in the saddle, and we are riding. Uh, we're going to take a look uh, at breaking news and current events as it pertains to counting down to the end times. Um I got this just a little while ago off the social networking site, ladies and gentlemen, from my uh, dear sister Deb. She posted it from uh, a friend of mine's site, The Big Wobble. I suggest that uh, you take a stroll over there and take a look. But uh, Gary over there at The Big Wobble released this uh, today. Uh, This is uh, Sunday, January the 1st, 2017. Everything is dead Marine mystery in Canada's Nova Scotia intensifies. Now everything is dying. Now before I read uh, this article here, which is very short, I want you to take note that this is not in mainstream news because this article had its event horizon on the social networking site on Facebook. And just as a side note, uh, if you'd like to keep up Uh, On the end-time current events, you can send me a a friend request uh, on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. It is the end-time Tribune. Uh, But I use that mainly as a a new source streaming site. Um, It's very helpful and beneficial because there's lots of people over there on the social networking site uh, that track uh, these end-time events that are normally not in the mainstream headlines, but uh, this is pretty critical, and and as I read this, you're going to uh, realize how really important that the social networking site can be. Uh, Beginning here, uh, this photo uh, in the particular article uh, is uh, courtesy of Eric Bruce Huey. A marine mystery is confounding residents in southwest Nova Scotia who are watching thousands of dead fish, starfish, Crabs, clams, scallops, lobsters wash up on shore. Uh, Residents of Platon, a small community there, uh, say they've been finding dead herring on the shore of St. Mary's Bay for more than a month. But recently, other marine life has started washing up dead. Dead fish have also been found on the shores of the Annapolis Basin there. We started finding starfish, crabs, and flounder. 
we found ocean perch, and then yesterday we started finding scallops on the beach. And like I said, everything's dead. We'd like to know what's going on, said Carl Cole. Which is really sad to see, you know, hundreds of starfish, shellfish. I grew up clamming here, so I came to our hometown, and to see so much death on the beach is really sad, said Eric Huey. Huey took photos of the beach and posted them to his Facebook page Monday, writing herring, lobster, bar clams, starfish, and more. No idea what caused this. Likely it could be a natural disaster. Please try not to jump to any conclusions until we get a response from natural resources or another credible source. In less than a day, his post had been shared almost 11,000 times and generated more than 1,000 comments. Many people are ignoring Huey's admonishment and suggesting their own theories about what happened, but there are still no answers. On December 15th, Fisheries and Ocean Canada announced that tests in the dead herring had produced negative results, meaning no infectious or infectious agents had been detected in the small silvery fish. It said it would continue testing and warn consumers to only buy herring from licensed harvesters until they figure out why the fish died. Residents say the department is aware of the latest developments and has taken samples to further testing, CTV Atlantic reached out to the department for comment Tuesday, but did not receive a response. I find it troubling that the only thing they wanted to say is make sure that you purchase uh, your food only from licensed harvesters. <laughs> like that has any bearing on what is causing of this massive uh, fish kill. So, ladies and gentlemen, this continues to go on, these mass uh, deaths amongst the fish uh, and wildlife, uh, including bird kills. This has been escalating since about 2010. When I started the End Time Tribune, I remember my first broadcast of the Black Wave. Uh, chronicling these very things as they began to come to the forefront. And it seems that uh, everything is ramping up on every single front. Uh, very troubling times that we live in. And right now I want to uh, take a pause and just jump right into this because I have a very important clip I want to play because if you scan... Uh, video clips uh, that people uh, post privately to their channel on YouTube. I challenge you to do this search. Dream Vision Two Moons. Now, you're going to be surprised when you start looking into the results. I've been looking into them for quite some time, a number of years, but I've kept it quiet and I've kept it to myself. I have done that because there is inside the Bible, God's holy word, a reference to a future events as to the reason why these dreams and visions of two moons could be taking place. 
but I want you to uh, realize that I chose this one because she says something different. Not only that, she is not a Christian. And I want everybody to realize that it is only the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone that can reach into the depths of the Muslim community. It truly is an iron curtain. By every stretch of the imagination, you must understand that these people are raised that if they even mention Christ, they will become separated from their heads. This is common knowledge. So in such dire circumstances, the Lord must, must reach them utilizing the Holy Spirit. But take note that she mentions that during the prayer she is reciting something that's very important to her. It's important to her. And there is something uh, in this that when you transliterate uh, the opening passages to the Quran into Hebrew, you're going to see something there. Uh, one of the lines there, if you translate it, and I will read what it is that she makes reference to here. This is what she was reciting. In the name of God, the infinite, compassionate, and merciful, praise be to God, Lord of all worlds. And yes, that is plural. The compassionate, the merciful, ruler on the day of reckoning. You alone do we worship, and you alone do we ask for help. Guide us on the straight if you transliterate that into Hebrew, that phrase is in the Bible. Let me continue. The path of those who have received your grace, the path of those who have brought down wrath, nor those who wander astray. Amen. I want you to realize that this text, in its simplicity is by extrapolation an outcry to receive grace that can only come to these people through the Holy Spirit. Like I said, in most of these circumstances, the Lord God of heaven himself must step in if they are to be saved. So I want you to take that and uh, consider it as we listen to this clip, and I want you to pay very close attention to what she has to say about her perspective as it changes throughout this dream. I find it to be really significant and important, as I myself have stated repeatedly since 2010, that on the great day of you sitteth upon the throne, this is exactly what is to come. Hey guys, um, this is my first video, basically um, I've been having like a lot of dreams, I, I have no idea what they mean, um, I'm just posting them hoping that somebody had a similar dream, um, mostly hoping that somebody can decipher them, can uh, interpret them, because I, I have no idea what they mean. Um, what's today? The 6th. So, the dream that I had last night, it was, um, 
two big uh, full moons. Like, they were huge. They were really close. They were right next to each other. Um, they were both reddish-orange. I don't know what that means. And when I was looking at it, I was like, um, you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, we only have one moon, whatever. So I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so then I thought to myself, while I was dreaming, I thought, um, well, maybe, you know, the one on the left, maybe that's the sun. Maybe that's the sun, and the one on the right is the moon. So then I was like, okay, yeah, that's probably what it is. The, um, one is the sun, and the other one is the moon. Um, and when I said that, um, they started to, like, merge together, like, you know, like an eclipse. So then I was like, okay, there's an eclipse going on now. So, um, at that point, when I felt that it was an eclipse, I started reciting, um, I think it was Surah Fatiha. Um, for those that are not Muslim, that's, um, a chapter in the Quran. So, w when I saw that happening, I, I got a little worried. So I started reciting the Quran. And, um... I just kept doing that until uh, they both merged together, um, and as the closer that they got together, as this process of eclipse was going on, um, I was really nervous. Like I was, I was kind of scared. I don't know what was going on. I just felt weird. Like felt um, like like you're about to anticipate something big is going to happen. I don't know. So. When that happened, you know, I was reciting the Quran, um, and also, which I thought was really interesting, was weird. I also felt um, like my my point of view was kind of shifting this way. So um, while I was dreaming, I logically put in my head that the Earth was tilting on its axis a little bit more, so everything was going like this, like on a like on a slant. Um, and I thought that was interesting. So that was pretty much it. I can't remember the rest of the dream. Um, a whole bunch of other stuff happened in the beginning, but that was the last portion of the dream, and I, that's all I can remember. Um, so if anybody had any similar um, type of dream, or if you know how to like interpret dreams um, Islamically, um, I would really appreciate if you could put um, either a personal a private inbox or you know a comment because it's just um it's just kind of weird and i appreciate it. thank you well ladies and gentlemen i hope that you appreciate that uh but just take note uh her entire attitude and uh you'll take note um, ladies and gentlemen, that this was published on April the 6th, 2013, and I find something else really significant, too. Uh, this YouTube channel's name is Truth87Indigo, and many of you that have listened to me uh, over the years since 2010, you'll realize that I normally use that color in reference to the indigo children, or the Moshiim, those that are chronicled 
uh, throughout the Bible source code. Of course, uh, in direct relation to what's going to happen concerning uh, the fulfillment of the Revelation 12 prophecy that is to come. But, ladies and gentlemen, you'll take note that she mentioned there she knew what to say, even though she is obviously uh, does not have advanced knowledge in astrophysics nor celestial mechanics concerning our solar system. Ladies and gentlemen, she described the event that will cause literally one-third of the stars to be cast to Earth or to fall. This is going to happen when we go terra erectus, when the Earth stands up as detailed in the Bible, God's holy work. He speaks about this more than a singular time. But in reference to this, I want to direct your attention to a direct reference that we have uh, concerning what's going to take place here. Why would people be having uh, these dreams? It, it amazes me that most people do not realize that there is one singular witness that is declared – in the Bible, God's holy word, to be the faithful witness, and that is the moon. Yet most people do not realize uh, the direct reference here that we have concerning these things and when they will come to pass. Take note that, of course, the book of Revelation is very bold in proclaiming that there are two witnesses, and they depict, of course, a futuristic pair of olive trees, as detailed in the book of Zechariah. Just like the first time around the ride, because eschatology is isochronal, that's what the book of Ecclesiastes loudly declares. That's how we're supposed to view History, it's isochronal. Time is cyclical. That's what God says himself. So when God declares the moon to be the faithful witness, and of course we know that a thing can only be established by two or three witnesses, and the book of Revelation, of course, chronicles in Revelation chapter 10, the two witnesses – we should all sit back and take a deep breath and realize that what is God talking about when there is one time in the Bible, the book of Job, concerning these things that it is encoded to you that there will come a time when the witness will have one stand up with in the book of Job, chapter 16 and verse 19, the Bible, God's holy word, says this. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my advocate is on high. Here, both the Masoretic text 
and the Septuagint say the exact same thing. Now, you'll take note that the wording here, both texts, is the same. Both the Hebrew Bible source code and the Greek Bible source code. They agree one with another. When we realize that God has put this, encoded it into the scripture this way. Why would the faithful witness need an advocate? And why does Christ here say very emphatically in God's word? Because remember, it is Christ that is the word, the logos of God. Why would he name two here? Let's go straight to the heart of the matter. Psalms 89 verse 37. It shall be established forever like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. Selah. Perhaps this is why, of course, we're given a Selah moment here in the scriptures. I want you to seriously consider that. Now, we need to turn to celestial somology to try to understand everything that God is trying to relate to us. We need to try to wrap our minds around why Job chapter 16 says what it says. Now look, let's back up. One verse. Let's read Job chapter 16, verse 18. O earth, do not cover my blood, and let there be no resting place for my cry. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, when you realize that this is a prophetic sonnet that God has written here. Let me read this in its entirety. O earth, do not cover my blood, and let there be no resting place for my cry. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my advocate is on high. My friends are my scoffers, my eye weeps to God. Oh, that a man might plead with God as a man his neighbor. For... When a few years are past, I shall go away of no return. Let's look at this prophetically. Just take note that this is exactly what's going to happen on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. Verse 21 is literally going to come to pass. This is, of course, when everyone has their Salah moment as clearly Defined by the Bible, God's holy word. This is exactly what happens on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. Sit and listen to the reason why Job chapter 16, those final verses, could have been written 
Revelation, the sixth chapter and verse 12, which chronicles the sixth seal. I looked, when he broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black, a sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? You will take note. This is when everyone on this planet has their Selah moment. So when you realize that the Lord, he is God, and when he relays information to you, he can be relaying things technically, temporally, He can be relating to you uh, prophetic, symbolic, and I can go on and on. And he does all of these things with two different sides of his mouth. Out of one side of his mouth comes the Hebrew, and out of the other side of his mouth comes the Greek. So when you really try to wrap your mind around this, you must realize what has been done to eschatology and especially to uh, – theological interpretation period when it comes to these things you must realize that this all began in the very first chapter of the bible it is there that we are told that the stars were created for signs and for seasons, telling you right from the beginning that you must implement celestial somology, that is the study of signs in the heavens, that's uh, supernovas, that's conjunctions, uh, that's comets, asteroids. All of these things will be done in a season before an event happens. God loudly declares that. Loudly declares that in the very first chapter of the Bible. And you have to remember, everyone knows, everyone is taught concerning end-time Bible prophecy that there will come a time when there will be one that will try to change the sacrifice and the times and the seasons. You must understand that the Bible, God's holy word, is very loud and very clear on the simple fact that is in reference to only a singular sacrifice. It is the one done at dusk and dawn. That is the perpetual sacrifice. It was done, and in doing so, when they did it, they marked the evening stars and the morning stars.
That's what they did. So when we realize why these things have been written and the simple fact that God is saying many things with just one verse, with just a single verse, take note that this is why these people may very well be having dreams of seeing two witnesses in the heavens. Ladies and gentlemen, let me direct your minds to this. What if the Bible's really true? Let me just challenge you with that. What if the Lord Jesus Christ was being perfectly honest and direct to the point when he said you were going to go back to the days of Noah. You do realize that by definition, a day is a quanta of time and perspective as to our relationship to both the ecliptic, our distance, and our speed from the center of this universe and its linchpin. We revolve in what you call to be 24 hours. What if that was to change? We circumvent the sun every 365 days. What if that changes? And what makes you think that that is the same today as it was before Noah's flood? Because an Axial shift is really the only thing that can geologically explain what happened during the Great Flood. It's the only thing that can explain it. But take note. Let's go a step further. When Christ himself said, the Son of the living God, stated that you would see the sign of the Son of Man. Don't you realize that it doesn't matter where you go on the timeline, and it doesn't matter where you go on his footstool. This gyro, as the Greek Bible source code in the Septuagint loudly calls the earth a gyro. There's only been one king star ever, ever. Doesn't matter if you go to the Orient, doesn't matter if you go to the East, the West, it has always been Jupiter. And as of late, this has been coming to the front, it's been coming to the front, the simple fact that mathematically it can be proven that Jupiter left her mornings and swept inward to the inner solar system. And then the father star as it has been known, every place you go and every time that you go, Saturn pulled the king star back out to its proper place. This is called Jupiter's grand tack. It's real. Mathematically, it can be proven. 
Don't you realize when you know your celestial somology, when you realize what is going on in the solar system with which we are a part of, don't you all realize that Jupiter or the king star has its own satellite system, which is just like ours here. Let me explain it to you. Do you have any idea how close in size that both Io and Europa is to our moon? They're nearly identical. Both of them have sinicorous orbits around Jupiter. They're in perfect synchronicity, just like our own moon. Let me explain it to you. Both of these moons of Jupiter... Just like our moon always shows the king star one face, they are faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm being perfectly serious with you. What if the Bible was true and you believed it? It's just that you didn't know astrophysics. That you didn't realize why they had been put there in the first place. You didn't realize that the Bible was true on levels you could not even comprehend. What if the Bible, God's holy word, is more wondrous than you could have ever possibly imagined? Is this the case? Am I challenging your worldview? I know that most of you claim that's going to listen to this show that you have a Christian worldview. I do not. There are many tenets to that institution I do not hold to. However, I will tell you what I do hold to that is a biblical worldview. And if you can prove it in either the Hebrew or the Greek, or both, that's what I hold to, and nothing else. Consider these things. Ladies and gentlemen, we absolutely, truly, could be on the precipice Of our redemption being fulfilled. We could literally be right there on the threshold. Literally. When you think about these things, when you consider these things… It can rattle your cage… The cages of even the faithful. However, you've been told many times by Christ himself, you must become like a child in the end. That is the quanta and the quality that your faith must be in 
when we enter into this time? What if what I just told you is part and parcel with that? Because it was beyond your reckoning. It was beyond your understanding. But I'm going to share even more that will prove this point out. Let's, let's take a look at something. This article uh, was released June 16, 2016, six months ago. This is from Space.com. Here is the headline. Surprise. Newfound asteroid is quasi-moon of Earth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, they have named this 2016-H03. I strongly suggest that you look it up because it's important. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we have in our orbit an asteroid of more than just a little significance. This is not the first time this has happened because in August 2016, this article came out in Sky and Telescope, retrograde rock Niku. Defies orbital trend. Now, this is a trans-Neptunian object. But just take note. In this article, this is what they want to chronicle about this particular uh, celestial body. And what is strange new world this is. It currently shines at a faint apparent magnitude of 22 in the constellation... Serpens Caput, near its border with Libra, based on reasonable guesses for its libido, or surface reflectivity, 11 KT-19 should be 70 to 200 kilometers in diameter. Even on the high end of its range, the tiny world is only one-sixth the diameter of Pluto's large moon, Charon. You'll take note, ladies and gentlemen, they didn't want to come out and say where this object is at present moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Serpent's Kaput is only half of Serpent's Claudia. It is that which the sign of the restrainer is holding or restraining. It's the constellation Ophiuchus, ladies and gentlemen. Why didn't they want to just come out and say the celestial object was in the sign of the restrainer? It's almost like they wanted you to research this serpent's kaput. Ladies and gentlemen, this means the serpent's head. Why did they want to put it that way? When everybody knows this constellation is Ophiuchus, why did they want you to know that its magnitude was 22, as they put it? Ladies and gentlemen, this is very surprising that nobody in 
the Bible prophecy groups are talking about this. Nobody is talking about what I have spoken years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to direct your attention to an article on earthsky.org because this is serious. More evidence for, of course, Planet X. Ladies and gentlemen, I have preached and I've preached and I've preached that literally for decades now that the ecliptic and the equator are going to become one on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. As we go back to the days of Noah, as our axis goes back there, this is part and parcel. There must be a celestial scapegoat. There must be. I have shared with you many times over the years that the sun is not on the ecliptic. It sets at about a seven-degree tilt. Look, this is from Caltech, ladies and gentlemen. It's from Caltech's Division of Geological and Planetary Sciences. Curious tilt of the sun traced to undiscovered planet. The date on this article is 10-19-2016. Planet 9, an undiscovered planet at the edge of the solar system, predicted by the work of Caltech's Castoni Bijan and Mike Brown on January 2016, appears to be responsible for the unusual tilt of the sun, according to a new study. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious, serious news. This is real. All of my listeners, and I, I want of all, all of you to realize that, yes, there was years that I put on hold the End Time Tribune, and I did other things like the Bands of Time and like the Prophetico. But all of my listeners that have been faithful to this ministry will all bear testimony that I have told them this many times over the years, many times. And Caltech just released it October 19th, 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, this is real. There is a celestial interloper answer to so many biblical equations. Ladies and gentlemen, what if Jesus was being literal and prophetic and symbolic and metaphorical when he said that they would see the coming of the sign of the Son of Man? What if Jupiter does a grand tack? What if in the exchange, the Nice model comes true? What do I mean by that? 
the Nice model, ladies and gentlemen, is another mathematical certainty that the astrophysicists have proven that Uranus and Neptune must be switched. But ladies and gentlemen, I loudly declared that long before they come up with the Nice model. I said, based on the details of celestial somology chronicled in the seven churches of Revelation, that that was exactly what was going to happen. And in the process, of course, one of those was going to get its crown back by way of Pluto. I hope all of you realize that Pluto has a Snickers orbit with one of those gas giants, and you need to look into it. It crosses into the path of either Neptune or Uranus. They will never hit each other because of this synchronicity that God has put into place. But ladies and gentlemen, one of the churches is promised to get their crown back. God is talking about a satellite. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Nice model is real. When you take a look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, yes, it's being literal. Yes, it's being temporal. Those seven churches were real. They occupied a geological, geophysical location on planet Earth. Yes, that's true. But he is the Lord our God, and he can speak many different things. He can relay tons of information talking about a single subject. Ladies and gentlemen, those seven churches are also the seven planets which occupy this solar system. This is why the planet Mercury, the messenger, and the father star, Saturn, have a direct link one with another. There is a singular thing in their mechanics that directly tie them one to another. This is, of course, what creates what you know to be the black box. On Saturn's North Pole, which we just got recently got high def video of it from the Cassini satellite before it crashed, before it ran out of speed, ran out of gas. Ladies and gentlemen, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories, all kinds of people that run around and talk about the black box on Saturn. But yet the only place you're going to hear what I just told you, that that is a direct link between it and Mercury, why haven't they told you that? If you would like to know the answer to that equation, please email me at intibetribune at mail.com. That is not with a G. It is not Gmail. Intimetribune at mail.com. And I would be more than happy to send to you 
the technical data proving Mercury and Saturn are directly linked. Now, most of you are going to say to yourself, that's impossible because one is a terrestrial planet and one is a gaseous giant planet. Oh, really? Really? Ladies and gentlemen, these things are real that I'm describing. I'm trying to get your attention. I am trying to snatch you from the fire. That's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to tell you that we have dire circumstances in play even as we speak right now. Things are really going to ramp up. They're really going to come to pass. I'm going to take a break. And since how I do not have a premium account, I'm going to have to just play my introductory audio again. I rather like that piece. But I hope all of you uh, are not too irritated by hearing the same song twice. However, perhaps this message needs to be presented twice so that some of you may receive a Salah moment unto yourselves. So we're going to take a 6 minute and 20 second break. I want you all to know uh, that if you'd like to uh, get together with me on the social networking site, it's just In Time Tribune there on Facebook. Uh, send me a request. I'd be more than happy to uh, be your friend. Take note, ladies and gentlemen, that the Lord, he is God. And it is he that has given you the Bible, his holy word. And ladies and gentlemen, when he wrote it, yes, he was writing it as a history book. However, he is the teacher of teachers. It is also a science book, a math book, a geology book, and it is the truth. And you can, in fact, take that to the bank. Like me, declaring 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It is good to be with you this evening. In reference to what I was talking about before, let us take a gander at the book of Revelation, um, particularly to the message to Philadelphia, if it is in fact utilizing celestial somology and relating to the planet Uranus. Let's take a deep breath. That Percival Lowe, by utilizing the math, that's how he found Uranus. That's how Neptune was searched for. This is the whole reason why Pluto was found. Take note that verse 11 in Revelation chapter 3 and pertaining to Uranus says this. I am coming quickly. Behold, fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Is this a reference to Pluto? Will the Nice model be implemented by the Lord our God when we see the coming of the sign of the Son of Man as Jupiter's grand tack goes once around the ride and we go back to the days of Noah. Ladies and gentlemen, what I just described to you, I searched for and I found because I believed those seven churches in the book of Revelation was in fact real. Those congregations were real. And I also believed exactly what God had earlier referred to the angels being stars, the candles. I realized he was also talking about celestial somology. These types of things are off the charts what's, what's going on today. I mean, we are on pretty high alert in the prophecy community of the church. Everybody knows about the wondrous sign that's supposed to appear in the heavens in 2017. I myself did a video on the uh, matcher a long time ago on the Prophetico YouTube channel. I talked about it stretching all the way back to 2012. I knew it was coming. Ladies and gentlemen, literally, Revelation chapter 12 is going to play out in the heavens come September this very year that we're in right now, which is, Hebraically speaking, the year 5777. That's right. 
on the Hebrew calendar, it is the year 5777. I have did a video on how this creates a crown for the celestial bride that you know to be Virgo. As she lies, as she reclines upon the ecliptic. Three planets will align with the constellation of Leo creating a Uraeus crown in the heavens. The very thing talked about in relation to the serpent there in Revelation chapter 12. It's all encoded there. I have stated many times before that, ladies and gentlemen, the Emmanuel prophecy is going to come true again. Take note that it is the king star that dances around in the womb of Virgo during this very time as the moon becomes a crescent and Virgo stands upon it. Closed with the sun. This is real. It's real. This group. The Jews know all about the simple fact that a child will lead them. In other places, of course... They know that they will go hand in hand with very capricious children. They know this full well. They know them to be the Moshim, as detailed as the reason why, to the point, the book of Obadiah was written in the first place. The reason why. They are detailed in the book of Nehemiah. This is the whole rhyme and the whole reason. The Jews know this full well. They know it. They know what God wrote to them about this group that's going to ascend Mount Zion that is called the Moshiim. Just take note. When the Moshiim are prophetically referenced in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9 and verse 27, take note about what it says. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them, but when they cried to you in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven, and according to your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. Some translations say it a different way. The King James Version, of course, says saviors. Of course, what it really says in the Hebrew is the Moshim. That's what it says. Uses the same exact word that it uses in the book of Obadiah. Let's read the next verse. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore, 
lest us down to the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies. Ladies and gentlemen, when you look at this in the Hebraic Bible source code, it screams out to you, this is an isochronal event, and they know it. By the utilization of the prefix mem with yesha, or save, to save, you turn that were judges, as they put it there, or saviors, it turns it into a plural spoken form of Moses. It turns it into Moses's. It turns it into Moshaim. Moses, plural. This is what the Emmanuel prophecies also concern. Yes, they detail Christ, no doubt about it. But as everything that has been is that which will be, that's what God says himself, that being the case, make no mistakes about it. The Emmanuel prophecies must come true again. It's an isochronal event. When you know that the famous one in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 about Emmanuel, and you realize that's not the only time that Emmanuel is spoken of. You'll take note. Let's read this from the Thompson translation of the Greco Bible source code or the Septuagint. The Bible that Jesus was actually reading in the synagogue. Let's take a look at what it has to say. And sweep away from Judea every man who can raise his head or is capable of executing anything. And the circuit of his camp shall be such as to fill the breath of thy country, Emmanuel. That's right. Emmanuel is also in chapter 8 because Isaiah chapter 7 and Isaiah chapter 8 is a singular prophecy. That is certainly going to come to pass. Let's read this very same verse, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 8, in the King James Bible. It says this, taken from the Hebrew Bible source code of the Masoretic text. And he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow and go over, and shall reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. Who is he talking about? Who is this about? It's, of course, about the Assyrian, ladies and gentlemen. Even when you look at this in the Hebrew, I hope you realize that multiple times in the Bible, this is put a different way in the Masoretic text. It's stated a different way. You see, because everybody usually knows about the 
Elohim, correct? Let's just take a look at the very first verse of what's going to come from the Scripture in Psalms 51. Reading uh, uh, this from the New American Standard Bible for the choir director on stringed instruments, a Moscow of David, when the Ziphites came and said to Saul, Is not David hiding himself among us? Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your power. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you realize what it is that the Hebrew actually comes out and says, because it has it here in plural form. It literally says, Emmanuel Elohim. Now, many people sometimes uh, pronounce that is as Elohim, or God's plural. Yeah, that's what it just said. In this case, the Emmanuel was in the plural. So, Elohim. Emmanuel Elohim. That's what's stated here. Look at it in the Hebrew. I'm being perfectly honest with you. And I have often wondered why people don't realize that this is actually in the Bible, God's holy word. He's put it there more than once. So when you realize this, when you look at the Masoretic text of Obadiah, you realize who it is that is actually going to ascend the throne room. Who is going to Mount Zion? Of course, they are detailed in Revelation chapter 14. That's who's going to Mount Zion. You were always told who was going to go to Mount Zion. It is the Moshiim. That's who's going to go to Mount Zion. Let's take a gander uh, at Isaiah chapter Eight again. Let's look at verse ten, because there Emmanuel is once again. Yet, New American Standard Bible says this in verse ten of chapter eight of Isaiah: "Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted; state a proposal, but it will not stand. For God is with us." Well, of course, that's what Emmanuel means, but that says Emmanuel. That's what it says. The King James Version. Basically says the exact same thing. Why didn't anybody want you to know that there is the name Emmanuel again in that verse? They didn't want you to know that, so they wanted to put it to you another way. And this definitely has something to do with God standing because I'm looking at it in the Hebrew and I can read it. This is directly related, ladies and gentlemen. Revelation chapter or Isaiah chapter seven and eight is directly pertaining to the great day of he who setteth upon the throne. And make no mistakes. In verse fourteen, and he shall be for sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the house of Israel, for gin a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. <coughs> 
excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you realize the grand cat involves of the planet Jupiter. I hope you realize what the Nice model includes for the planets uh, of Neptune and Uranus. Don't you realize that if Jupiter swings inward into the inner solar system, the sign of the Son of Man will truly become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to the entire solar system, to all orbital paths, to all relationships to the ecliptic. <coughs> Imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if you literally see the king star coming to Earth. It gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. What if that's what God meant all along, and he was trying to tell you that this had everything to do with Revelation, not only chapter 12, not only chapter 7, but it's why Revelation chapter 14 was written in the first place, and you were always supposed to know why these things were going on. Perhaps tonight I am challenging your faith. Perhaps tonight I've done something wonderful. I've got you to realize that perhaps your faith really was like a child and you'd never understood you had been falsely taught that Genesis chapter 1 was witchcraft. Who said that? God himself said he gave them for signs and seasons. That's why he made them. Are you saying, are they saying that when you look, observe, chronicle the signs in the heavens, that's witchcraft? No. Have they in fact hid the simple fact that the parallel apocalypse in God's word… Does all of you know there is a parallel apocalypse concerning these events in the Bible? It's real. It's also called by a different name by biblical academics. However, let me say this. I'm going to read this to you, and I'm not going to tell you where it comes from. But when I read it, please understand that this sign of Revelation chapter 12 is going to appear in the heavens come this September 2017. Let me take pause here. I want to make sure that everybody understands this, so I'll read it in the New American Standard Bible instead of the King James Version. Sorry for uh, my switching during the stream there. Let me begin with these few short verses. But remember, 
this is Revelation chapter 12, and it does occur physically in the heavens via three planets and the constellation Leo creating a Uraeus crown upon the celestial bride Virgo. As a pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she writhes and cries out in labor pains. Thus we were before you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed in labor, we gave birth as it seems only to wind. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were the inhabitants of the world born. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a gander at how this is phrased a different way in Revelation chapter 12, because here it is. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's who goes to Mount Zion. That's who goes to heaven. That's who ascends. Of course, the New Agers, they refer to these children as indigo children. Sometimes it is funny how the last people to know occupy the pews of the church today. It's amazing how sometimes they are the last ones to find out what's really going on. I know that many of you will have immediate questions pertaining these events as to the timing of what you call the rapture. Just take note, I'm not going to discuss that topic today. And I will reiterate myself as to why. I have a biblical worldview. Ladies and gentlemen, the word rapture is Latin for rape. That's not in the Bible. And what is in the Bible, they loudly proclaim to be harpazo. It's not in that verse. It's apogemothea. That's what God's word actually says. And sometimes, of course, I just heard uh, some eschatology uh, supposed experts because he's obviously not. He can't read the Greek text. He stated in a video that here when the male child was taken to heaven, that was actually harpazo again. However, in looking at it, as God wrote the Bible, God's holy word, it amazes me how they can't see that that's not how this word is pronounced either. That's not pronounced harpazo. Not at all. That's not what it says. You see, because this word here has a different prefix altogether, ladies and gentlemen. 
in the Aditaragia, it doesn't begin with an alpha. It begins with an eta. You pronounce this entirely different. And because this is in the aorist passive indactive third singular case, it doesn't even remotely sound like harpazo. That's not what God's saying at all. And I want you to consider these things. What I'm trying to say is that the things I have stated over this broadcast, try to swallow it and try to realize that it could very well be a very wonderful thing that it was just that you had faith like a child and you didn't understand these highly complicated mathematical and astronomical things pertaining to geology, pertaining to mathematics. It's absolutely off the charts that this sign is going to appear in the heavens come this September. It means something, ladies and gentlemen. It means something. And make no mistakes about it. God in the very first book of the Bible loudly declares why it is he made them. Ladies and gentlemen, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Perhaps it is directly related to Revelation chapter 14. At any rate, that's for you to decide. Consider the celestial sign God's given us and the simple fact that Revelation 1 verse 4 or, or Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 says this and God said let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years don't you realize that one third of the visible stars will fall when our axis reorientates itself Back to Noah's North and South Pole. And on that day, this verse will finally become prophetically true. Because ladies and gentlemen, days and years, he literally come out and told you about revolutions. We spin our on our axis... And we spin around the sun. One determines a day and one determines a year. I'm telling you the truth. I want you to feel a sense of awe that all the technical detailed information that I've given you tonight, the Bible was just simply true in ways you couldn't fathom. And that in of itself is a beautiful thing. It really is. That is a wonderful thing. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you have enjoyed tonight's broadcast. It, it is my hope and it is my prayer that the Lord, our God, might bless you in the coming week. I request that you might pray for me as I'm separated from my family for another week as I travel three hours away to work. I'll be back again next weekend, and when I do, we will do another broadcast. I'm going to try to line up some interviews, perhaps, and things of that nature. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, please say a prayer for me tonight and this ministry tonight. As I'm trying to accomplish the impossible, but it's not the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, God bless. Godspeed.